0: been a couple weeks can i start making cracks about this <laughs> Hardlyfocus.com. so i should have reached out to you probably six months ago um but it's still for a lot of uh, not only for the people involved with Hardly Focused but for a lot of people in um a lot of our friends in the radio industry and a lot of people in in New England it's the the death of WAF is still fresh in our minds and uh you are a uh WAF alumnus like me you were m- more behind the scenes than i was um i, 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 you, I don't think you I don't think I ever heard you on air. Um, but you I, were
1: I got on twice and it was very cause I was very business at AAF, so like I I was one of those very skittish, like when we did the oh, what was it, the the one stupid trick or whatever where it was like you picked the first letter of the next song, had to be the last letter of the song before or something like that, and Mike brain of forty was like, he was ready, man. He was like, Eddie, come on, let's talk, man. And I was just like, because uh, uh, I was like, I remember Carrie's email being like, dude, don't turn this thing into your morning show. And the funny thing was, is, is like, if people knew what me and Branch 40 got away with that night, oh my <laughs> God, I remember. So Branch of 40 was just my favorite guy simply because you'd walk in the room and like everything went back to a Simpsons quote. Yes. So, I remember he was like, he knew how much I love music. And one of the things he told me was like, he's like, dude, I used to have Carrie job. I was a music director. It is so heartbreaking how the radio industry works, how they pick songs, play songs, stuff like that. And immediately does the Homer Simpson voice. You know, he's, he's going to learn the one thing about the music industry, never trust the music industry. <laughs> I forgot what the exact quote was, but the way he delivered it was just so dead on. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Brandy that that's, but when we did one, the one stupid catch or whatever it was, I remember cause we were both smokers at the time and he goes, Hey man, you want to go out and have a smoke? I'm like, well, what about the station? He goes, oh, I'll take care of that. He put on tools cover of no quarter just so we could have a smoke.
0: Nice. Well, that was, that's the old, uh, back in the days of carts and having to manually swap those things out. That was the old trick for, for going out either, either having to take a shit or, uh, going out for a smoke is put on um, <laughs> put on the longest songs that you could find. Um, I, was
1: gonna, I remember at one point, I suggested In Agata vida and then he was like, dude, Eddie, if we played that, we're going to blow our cover. Because at one point, he had me. He was like, dude, call some of your friends and have them make... He's like, what do you want to listen to? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, dude, just fucking let's just play what we want to listen to we'll take actual callers but have your friends call and stuff so like we were listening to like just go by Stained. we were listening to uh rearranged by limp biscuit we were listening to nobody's real by Powerman. like because i told him I'm like for me my favorite memories of aaf were in 98 99 when i knew what aaf was and i used to watch real rock tv well
0: i think that was everybody's he, favorite aaf era and he, that's and that's what they were trying to Supposedly trying to go for when, uh, before Entercom killed it, was they were going to, uh, again, riding the nostalgia train, trying to uh, bring back the essence of the 90s of the AF.
1: And FNX tried the same thing right before it was. Um Oh, my God. I totally forget his name. But the guy who deserved to be like the, the PD, like the whole time he finally got. Oh, the, Driscoll, Paul Driscoll. I was just going to say alter goes, Paul Driscoll was him. And they were doing that when they had like the, the bit in November where they had all the old DJs come back and, you know, do their own sets and stuff like that. And I remember loving it because I'm like, oh, this is totally. But now this sounds like a classic alternative station. This doesn't sound like like a modern station. It sounds like a station that's trying to sound like what it used to sound like.
0: Yeah, um, that weekend that you were talking about, um, that was the only time I ever heard uh, Fountains of Wayne on WAF, because of that whole, um, uh, because when they got the S, they were doing the whole alphabet thing, and then when they got the S, they, the, the I, I don't know why Stacy's mom was the, the choice, but, uh. There you go. Uh Branch of 40 actually I, I it's going to really play well over the, you know, audio here over the radio. Uh Branch of 40 sent me this this morning. I don't know if you uh let's see if I can get it. Uh right. Ah, it's going to show up. Uh yeah. It's Rocco, man. There he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I, was that was have that seen been, him on Real Rock too. That must have been like right before he left cuz Branch of 40 um was actually co-hosting uh Rocco's uh show with him just before Rocco oh. exited.
1: Uh, i made two very big mistakes i made two very big mistakes the first was i made branja 40 watch an episode of real rock tv that where he interviewed corn and he had the like the white guy dreadlocks and stuff and he admitted (laughs) to me that he was on mushrooms during that interview
0: that doesn't surprise me
1: (laughs) and he was like so freaked out he was so freaked out watching it. He's like, Eddie, I love you, but you got to turn that off. And the second was, you know, because Carrie was so intimidating to me because I I knew Carrie as Mistress Carrie. I mean, I I remember when she did the Allison Chains like A to Z weekend when Blaine had passed, and I was actually one of the morons that went to Boston Common with my buddies to to go to it. And I remember just trying to make conversation. with so I'm so nervous and so dorky, and I was like, Oh man, Carrie, it's so cool to be around you. Like my buddy Turk loved you. He had like a shrine to you in his room. And I think we were in like, you know, fifth grade or whatever. And she immediately goes, Eddie, can I give you some advice? So I go, yeah. She goes, never age a woman. And I remember just looking at her like,
0: I'm yeah.
1: so sorry. She was so <laughs> cool, though.
0: Yeah. Um, an intimidating, you're right, an intimidating thought because, God, if you, if you listen to, if you live in New England and you listen to rock music, you knew who Carrie was. And for me, it was just... Uh, you know, I, I I had to look past that because I technically reported into her, so I I had to look past the fact that she was so well known, so so famous or infamous around these parts. Uh, you know, for me, it was work. So um, yeah, for
1: me, I I told people. Actually, I wrote her an email the last night. I don't think she got it because I only had the email I had was her work email, and I yeah. basically told her how she was like my third big sister. She and I remember. I would get offended because people come up to me like, "Is she hot? Is she really a bitch?" And I'm just like, kind of took it like, "Dude, you're talking about my my freaking sister. Like, she's amazing." <laughs> or, I get screwed all the time because I work till midnight, and the kid after me just didn't want to come to his shift, so I would get stuck there until six the next morning. I remember at one point she even said, "She's like Eddie." you got the combination in of my office because I used to be her intern. She's like, let yourself in, grab some Jack Daniels. And I remember like telling her like, Carrie, thank you so much, but I can't drink on the job, man. But she was cool like that. And she, I remember she told me I had to call up by the un- unfortunate task of calling her at like 1230 in the morning, being like, uh, this guy's not coming in. She's like, Eddie, man, you know what they say? Only bad things happen to good people. I remember telling her, like, well, and shit, man, I, I really wish I was a fucking terrible person because I got to <laughs> go to school tomorrow. Like, what the hell is
0: this? Yeah. Um, she, uh, I I wish I took advantage of it. She, she, you know, I I wanted to make sure I when I left, I left on as good enough terms as I could, especially with her. And she left the door open and and, and told me like, hey, if if ever a time came up where I was looking for, a, you know, a shift or something, to let her know. And I and actually probably about six months before AAF went off the air, I remember I was talking to Branger Forty One about what was you know if there was availability and it was actually seriously considering it and uh i didn't i didn't jump on it and i don't know if in hindsight uh i'm glad i didn't or if i should be kicking myself for not for not doing that but um the last night the the station was on the air i was, I was surprised that you actually weren't there because it was a, um, uh um it, it was a packed house it was sort of the last hurrah before covid really took effect i mean the 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 seen that night you wouldn't be able to get away with uh th- now a, a small oh, right. building in the hallways were cuz don't forget you know they were they were over across the street now at the, the old CBS radio building and the hallways were just uh packed with people like you were just squeezing by people to get through you wouldn't be able to get away with that now but I'm surprised that you weren't there
1: well for two reasons actually the first being I didn't know like nobody told me I didn't have anybody to reach out and the second was you know, I got kids, so, you know, I had, you know, my youngest was born in July, so I don't even remember how old, but I remember my wife being like, well, try to call in to you, because I used to have the hotline number, and I didn't have it, so I tried to call in with the the normal request line number, because a buddy of mine, Jason, had actually sent me the audio of you telling that story of how, on my shift, you made the the station go up there, (laughs) (laughs) and I remembered, because he heard it, and he was dying laughing, and he was like, dude, he was like, you gotta tell me about that, and like, you know what? I was mad about Jack had nothing to do with the radio station. I was working on a PowerPoint for a graphic novel class and i never used PowerPoint. He looked at, it, I was doing it for spawn and you go, it's a little too busy Eddie. I remember being like, fuck him. What does he think? He's PowerPoint wizard. And then when he made the station go out the air, I'm like, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. I, um, my, my mentality then too, was make sure that, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about the people that, uh, uh, I worked with in, in almost all of them, were in the room with us. Um, and, and, I, and I remembered you too, because, uh, you know, I, I worked the, I worked one of the shifts and I loved it and hated it. And it was, it oh, was yeah. a shift that you never wish upon anyone. And it happened to be at work at five o'clock in the morning, Saturday and Sunday. And you know me, I would try to roll in as close to five o'clock as I could. It wasn't always a guarantee, but, um, uh, You were there, you know, so the, you know, the first person I'd see half awake after driving in an hour was, was you. So we would usually spend the, uh, you know, the first hour of my shift, just shooting the shit and catching up on stuff. So, um, that stuck out in my head and I wanted to make sure, yeah, the the worst thing that I did, you know, knocking the, the transmitter off and just throwing the station into chaos was on your watch. But at the same time I wanted, when I brought that story up, I wanted to make sure that you, even though, yeah, I was, I was, you know, kind of being a dick, but I wanted to make sure that when I said your name, I wanted, I wanted shoe and Carrie to be like, know who it was I was talking about. Right.
1: I was really, I was flattered as all hell because, you know, I remember, I, look, I, you're a great guy, but I remember a day like, you know, I, I learned very quickly, how to speak Jack and like every person in there had like this personality. And it was just like, it was basically like, dude, if you take it too seriously, like you're not going to survive here. I mean, Matt Leonard was an awesome guy, but he kind of had that, you know, disposition of like, he knew who the fuck he was. And yeah. Brangie was just so off the wall. And I remember the, I know we're going to run short on time. I just want to mention, cause you mentioned me for me, it was Brie from Mike FM. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually shocked that fucking, uh shoe and carrie even remember me but brie was someone that i worked with i remember i had to work the fourth of july and it was a pain i came in there three hours early just to get in there and i'm all by myself she finishes her shift she's going to the friendly toast to be with her now wife she's like all right Eddie, I'm, I'm in now i'm like okay cool i must have just looked so pathetic because i'm sitting there all by myself and you remember empty during the holidays and she goes you know what let's go to the liquor store. Let's get some Heineken. Let's get a six pack. And she missed three buses on the 4th of July to sit and hang out with me and just talk about everything. I, I that was like, for me, it was like, holy crap. Wow, like she this was place, so, she I was remember so... when she left and I have no shame in this. I sobbed. I missed her. She was amazing because I'll always remember she was the one on the 4th of July when I'm in there all by myself until like six the next morning, She's like, dude you can't go out like this let's get a six pack let's hang out and then i remember when she left she was just like ah oh, that was a great hang man and ironically that was the same night i wrote the first not to Get Married. Right, that was the first poem i'd written since 2006 and that was the first poem i ever published was the one i wrote after she left oh wow so it for me yeah when you talk hey i, I always remember the people like there were just so many cool pe- i remember my favorite is going to be brandy forty and i, I because Kevin, the production guy, used to bicycle. Him and his wife are bicyclists. Oh, yeah. He used to bike in. And, Kevin, and he would always
0: That's how he used to would talk always, to him.
1: <laughs> well, he would always leave. He'd have his biker shorts on. He'd be ready to bike. And I remember he in his biker shorts. And he walks out. And Branchwood just looks at me and goes, stupid,
0: sexy Kevin. <laughs> uh, Kevin wasn't there, too. You know, so that, that was... uh. I was hoping I'd see him, but yeah, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't there either. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was, that's the thing when you you think about just any radio stations, you don't think about the people who are, who are behind the scenes, who, who are doing everything. Uh, Anthony Kumi, I remember when he called in, gave Eric Fitch a shout out. Eric had been there forever and you know, Anthony's on air confession was, uh, downloading porn on like the one computer in the in the station at the time because uh you know it was the 90s and uh Eric was always getting on him for not turning the computer off properly because he he would just like literally pull the cable out because someone would turn the corner uh and, oh, and, and see Anthony downloading porn but like um Anthony brings up, he goes, Who, who's, like, I think the engineer's name was Eric, and Carrie's like, yeah, he's still here, and he's like, wow, tell him I said hi.
1: <laughs> so, to segue from that really quick, I remember I was in the man cave, so I'd get to work two hours, early I, I didn't, I was at AF, I made it, I couldn't be late, so I, I used to sit, when Carrie was doing her shift, I'd sit in the man cave, and one night, Shu was doing um the word on the street, or whatever that bit was, All right and he was in the, the studio, like, adjacent from the man cave, and... I was on Reddit. I think I was like watching videos of like kittens and babies, like babies, like seeing their dad and coming home from work and Chu comes over to me. And I just looked behind me like, and he was watching me the whole time. He goes, can I let you know something, man? This is a measure of a good person. Do you know how much porn gets looked at in this studio? I turn over and I see you sitting in here and you're literally watching the most wholesome shit I've ever seen on a computer <laughs> that is probably littered with porn. And that was like when I got, I, I mean, I remember she used to give me shit because I'm a smoker. And you know, first time he met me, he's like, Barbro. I go, yeah, you know, he's like, I used to be a smoker. <laughs> but that was like, that was like his seal of approval to me. And I remember like a, a couple shifts later, I was watching the Pearl Jam 20 documentary on PBS. And he's behind me and I again he did this like shoe thing. He was like the butler and Mr. Deeds and I look very, very sneaky. And I look and he's got tears in his eyes and he's watching the Pearl Jam documentary. And he's like, Man, I think it was when they were talking about Temple of the Dog. He was like, Hunger Strike in that video. so beautiful. And it was like it was he wasn't joking, like he had tears in his eyes. I'm like, I'm like, You wanna hang out and watch this with me? And he just gave me a look and he's like, I got some Yeah, I'm actually gonna stick around. And he sat he watched like another like ten or fifteen minutes with me.
0: It's um oh man it's so funny you bring up the uh, well talking about downloading porn on station computers man i i did that all the time it was usually i have just resentment because i just hated <laughs> i hated my job at that point i hated intercom so i would just i sit in the af studio and just b- browse porn on reddit uh because i had nothing better to do <laughs> audio, are, vaulted. Are guys, audio vaulted audio did guys- everything for me
1: you guys made me feel like a good Christian boy then because I would literally just sit there and I'd be like researching like wrestling storylines and like trying to watch like document. That's how I got into like Morton Downey Jr. I was finding old stuff of his on YouTube and like all these people had these like dirty things they did in the studio and they're like, hey, what's the dirtiest thing you did? I drank some beer with Brie. I mean, that was about <laughs> as bad as God
0: that when, when i told that story about uh and j- just for the uninitiated because i keep mentioning here the the, the story that we're talking about the, the whole context is uh as last night on there everyone everyone uh, who's um in the studio who who had the chance who were called in or had the chance to go on air, uh, told a, g- gave a confession, what they called an AF confession about something that they did that no one knew about. And, uh, I, I was actually, I couldn't believe that I actually had the opportunity to, to get on the mic and, uh, and actually talk because they actually had a running list of people, um, based on who had shown up like old, old uh, alumnus. And, um, the, they the the fact that I was given the opportunity blew my mind away because they were they were letting all these DJs come on. And Then they were uh, then they're like oh yeah, and then we got the 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 Hillman Morning Show producer here too. And then that's when I you know gave my story. But when I told the story about knocking the transmitter off air, uh, and that's what it was. Is Eddie was bored. He it was this bored op shift, and I was going to help him out and take a transmitter reading. And on the the panel, I pressed the wrong button, and it was the power that decreases the power to the transmitter. And uh, Uh, All these alarms and bells and whistles started going off. But um, when I told that story, there was just this... And you could hear it, too, in the audio. And the audio is actually... WAF.com still exists, and you can find it on there. Somewhere buried in the the hours of audio of the last night is is my story. But um, when I told that story, there's just this gasp in the studio. Collective gasp. And even the program director at the time, Joe Calgaro, was in there, and he was just like you can see the daggers just coming out of his eyes at me and i'm just like i'm like i don't fucking work here yeah. <laughs> this was 10 years ago dude well i, <laughs> I think
1: fixed I, it. Told you I pressed even, though, the
0: yeah. other button the power came back up everything stopped but when the hotline started ringing and i'm like all right, Eddie, right i'll see you later man <laughs>
1: well the reason too that i remember i joked with my buddy jason is he was like man what a dick move are you really mad him? i go no can i tell you an embarrassing story he goes what i go the guy that trained me ron travers mind you this was like around the time michael jackson died so the CNN ends on carrie's making michael jackson jokes ron travers is like uh, i i've had enough of michael jackson i'm just sitting there because i grew up with michael jackson like with like a single tear in my eye like we lost our king and he was like hey man you want to try doing a uh, transmitter reading i go yeah sure and i hit the wrong button the hotline rang and travers answers that and the engineer's like dude you're off the air what happened and he looks over at me he goes eddie did you hit the wrong button and like a guy like it was like literally being in an elevator with him being the guy that farts and tries to deny it and i'm like I didn't do anything. And Travis just like, looked at me like, dude, there's two of us in this room. One of us fucked something up and the other knows he didn't. Yeah. Uh, When he did that, I'm like, yeah, that, that was for Travers.
0: The, the the old, (laughs) the, the old panel too. I mean, I think they, after that, I, I seem to recall them pointing out like, you know, only when you're doing your transmitter readings, only press these buttons. Don't press the other ones. The fucking buttons were right out there, like, and they were right right next to each other. other. It it was uh, bound to happen. It was so easy just to press the wrong and that happened. I pressed the wrong one, and then I figured, like, hey, there's a down button and an up button. I I assume I hit down. What happens if I press up? And then everything looked normal, but not before. I'm I'm sure you got, like, Eric and, uh, oh, God forbid, Sid calling you.
1: You know, the engineers hated my guts, but they also knew— Every time something, because when Carrie would do her music logs or whatever, they something I'd always end up in the engineers room trying to fix it. And I think after a while, they were just like, "Dude, this kid's learned how to just fix shit without calling us." So if he makes a mistake, let it go. Because I know Carrie was like that with me, and she was like, "I could really like give this kid some shit," but like he's always friggin' here like three hours early and he's always getting screwed over by his coworkers and getting stuck to work a double. I remember at one point, like ending a shift, sleeping in the Mike FM studio, which is not as glamorous as it sounds. And then having to wake up and do another shift the following day. So I, I at that point, I think I kind of earned the ability to like, if you fuck up, it's okay. Yeah. But I still uh, appreciate you taking the, taking the wrap. I, uh,
0: I, I had, I had a polarizing relationship with the station engineers. Um, Sid you know wand in my blood <laughs> yeah. and I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you why I think uh, uh don't forget there were several John Kennedy's that worked at the, at the company for a while too and one of them was an engineer and that guy hated me because I actually never took transmitter readings. Um, and then you had Eric and, and uh, Lou who uh who loved me or i love them at least um and lou yeah. <laughs> uh every morning working on a morning show something would go wrong and i remember i have to run down to engineering and the door was always closed so i would just like do drum beats on the door like i get up to the door and just be like and uh I- i'd always hear lou i'm like oh there's the conga that must be jack um and uh yeah, the, the reason why Sid didn't like me is because on the computer in the cave, um, and by the way, I, I had found out the way to uh, reroute everything because you know the cave was set up for Pro Tools, and I, I refused to use Pro Tools, so I figured out how had to, had to route the computer into the world feed, the old World Feed panel so I could bring up Audacity. And I remember showing Danielle ha- how to do that when she had to do morning show production because she didn't want to use Pro Tools either. I'm like, gotcha, don't worry, I know how to do this. Um, but uh And that was always a thing, too. Whenever I come back to the station to visit, this happened, like, the first couple times I came back after after being gone for several months. And, like, Lou would come by and ask me a question about something as if, like, you know, he didn't know that I'd been gone. And I'd be like, dude, I don't work here anymore. Follow me. I know where it is. Um, But uh, the computer in the cave, I downloaded a screensaver that you you for a long time could have actually found on Microsoft's uh, support website and it was the Windows xp boot oh, is it screen? A blue screen yeah it was a boot loop yeah it was like a fake blue yeah. screen and it was a yeah. fake boot loop and uh sid saw that one day and like freaked out and like unplugged the computer and brought it into the, the engineering shop and he was getting ready to like tear the thing apart and then eric walks in he's like oh is that the is that the computer from the cave do you see that screen that jack installed on there it looks like a fake blue screen it's really <laughs> funny and, and, and like you know." <laughs> It's like a cartoon. You can see the smoke coming out of Sid's ears.
1: Oh my god! Because
0: I yeah. remember getting a text from. Uh, oh, I think it was shoes. I think it was shoes. Somebody told me, like, dude, be careful when you're next at work, because Sid wants you dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sounds about right. And I saw him that that last night. I saw him uh, walk by at one point, point. nothing had changed. <laughs> he still looked, still looked like a mad scientist wearing New Balance.
1: I was gonna I, I remember the New Balance. That that was like the takeaway every time I tell him I'm like, what is with the new balance sneakers, dude? Yeah.
0: So uh but yeah, no, that was a fun night. I wanted to make sure, even though, yeah, again it was it was a story where effectively it was about me throwing you under the bus uh because I was I, a dick. But I wanted to make sure that not only did you get a shout out, but you also got the recognition there too.
1: No, I appreciate it a lot actually. It was a, it was a big deal for me because like I said, I wasn't there. I didn't even really listen because at that point I'd become so jaded about radio. So to get a shout out and to have here, Carrie and Chu be like, oh yeah, I remember Eddie. I'm like, oh, that's so validating.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, if I didn't have like, if I wasn't locked to like forty five seconds, there was there were a lot of other people, and I I probably if I did I had to have had them written down in front of me to actually you know name drop all of them, but there were a lot of people like you mentioned Bree for example, but there were there was yeah. other people like uh uh Stick and uh, I was gonna say Stick Stick Chuck yeah oh Chuck oh man Chuck. I miss Chuck Zimmerman um there there were so many people you mentioned Travers there was a lot of yeah. folks that um. You know, needed need to be recognized too because it's people only think about i they they only think about those that they hear on air. They don't think about the people behind the scenes that actually keep the machine running, uh, to, no, to a exactly. degree. So, um, but uh, and the other the other thing too, quickly, you you also worked you interned on the um the morning show I always wanted to work on. You worked on Sandbox. Oh,
1: I did. I interned at the Sandbox morning show. I can literally tell you two stories from um interning with them which was i remember they were talking about they were talking about the the union underground this this band that nobody knew of from the 90s or the early 2000s and i immediately because you had aim open so that's how you communicate with charlie in the studio so when you had callers you'd be like oh this is jack 20 whatever from groton or whatever and that's how we knew how to announce them and they were talking about the union underground and they're like yeah what the hell else did they do and i immediately went they did the raw those theme song for monday Night Raw." and Edge just turns to me in the window like this while he's on air and goes, Intern Robocop, I am very worried for you. You have so much knowledge about absolutely nothing that matters.
0: <laughs> Intern Robocop, is that what they called you?
1: So what happened was during my interview, I was so proud. I, my grandmother, when I was five, got me this Robocop 2 t-shirt, and I found it on eBay, and I got it, and I was so proud. Like, I'm to go to my FNX interview, and I walk in. I made the mistake of unbuttoning my, um, my dress shirt, and I go in Dakin's office, and he just looks at me and goes, intern RoboCop. And I'm like, I've done something very bad. And I walk in the first, and I'm terrified because yeah. I treated DJs like celebrities. And immediately I walk in and all three sandbox guys are just like, oh, here's intern RoboCop. Nice. I'm like, all right, that's, that's a thing.
0: Um, I don't know if you can, again, something else. I'll play it really well on the radio, but that, that, that's in front of me. There it is. My RoboCop oh. poster. That poster <laughs> nice. has followed me to every, every incarnation of this studio. So. And now I got it staring at me every day. So, um, yeah, Charlie, uh, I'll forever call him Charlie from the sandbox. Not only did he photograph my wedding, but, uh, he came on the show a couple, uh, about a year ago, we had him in studio and talked about, uh, the, about the sandbox this time in radio. And here I, I mentioned you in that episode too. And he remembered you, he didn't call you Robocop, but, um, uh, he, he certainly remembered you. So
1: I was, I was very memorable in that I was a very Awkwardly shy, bumbling person. And like, it just they were, even like, I remember Gia, who was the um, internship coordinator, was like, You got all siblings? I go, Yeah, why? She was like, You ever been bullied? I go, Yeah, a little bit. Why? She was like, just <laughs> No reason. <so> you know. <laughs> yeah, that. They were, they, I, and, and big Jim, I actually thank big Jim in my book. I've been, I've been trying, I reached out to Jim through his email um, with the sports hub. I wrote him this long email, but I credited him for the reason why the book happened. Cause I remember when I was at AAF and I was on Facebook, he, he actually sent me a private message and he goes, dude, do me a favor, get the fuck out of radio. He's like, clearly you're a great writer, write a fucking book and get out of radio. So I made a point cause I always remember that, that I, I thank big Jim Murray from FNX for literally, and I quoted him saying, get the fuck out of radio and write a book.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll wrap it uh with my own big gym story is that i was at a uh, I was at the foundation room the house of blues foundation room with kate and uh, uh it was someone's going away party they're, they're they're having that but group love was playing next door and while all these AAF and Intercom people are are in the foundation room, all of a sudden I see I see Jim Murray and some and one of his friends standing there. And I now I was already a few deep at this point, so I was just wobbling all over the place. But I like ran over to him and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" Because like you know, it, it, uh, I think FNX was still around. Yeah, FNX was still around at the time. So I'm like, "Why is the FNX guy here?" Um, and he was just there to get a drink before the show and didn't realize he'd walked in on an Intercom party. Uh, but that was the first time I ever, first and only time I ever met him in person, and but we were like Facebook pals and and would would occasionally text and whatnot, and the biggest thing for me is he was not only asking me questions just about this podcast, but Kate was there too. He started asking Kate about things just based on stories that she told in the podcast, and it was like, click on my like, holy, big Jim listens to the show. And big Jim pays attention to things because he's asking questions oh, yeah. about things that we have talked about on the show. This is great. And then I remember I was so drunk. I'm like, Jim, Jim, I have to go to the bathroom. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. I'll be right back. Stay right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jim's awesome. Um.
1: Uh, said absolutely I, I i hope you know hopefully at some point he'll be able to see that I, I actually had a friend who was like trying to call into the show on the sports hub and he was like trying to talk about the book because he was like he wanted to be like dude jim you're thanked in the book for christ's sake give the kids some publicity
0: yeah i uh, uh i got similar advice from uh, mike shu just about like not necessarily the why are you in radio but the why why is your first radio job in a major market um, right. why, why didn't I start in like Providence or somewhere else? And even uh, of all people to give me advice about being in the exact words where if you're in radio to make millions of dollars, then you're in this industry for the wrong reasons. And you know who oh, gave yeah. me that advice? Fred toucher.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> because I was
0: sitting in the AAF van across in the garden at, at, at some event. And there's a rap on the window and it's fred and fred's just like hey i'm fred toucher and i ended up talking to this dude for like 45 minutes just to out there and i'm like i didn't care i'm like here's my fucking one of my heroes radio heroes just walked up to the truck and started talking to me and i remember even telling him like just i was like gushing about all this stuff and i didn't even mentioned like how i wanted to ultimate goal take over the morning show from Hillman and 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 you know, be a superstar. And then that's when he gave me that advice. And at the time I was just like, fuck you, Fred. And I think yeah. in, in hindsight, I'm like, you know what? Truer words, never spoken.
1: Well, to, to end on that note, I, I literally, I I went to interview for a position at kiss 108. I, I lied to Mike Morgan and said, Hey, you know, I'm going to a doctor's appointment. I met with then the guy who is the music director. The interview could not have gone worse. I, I go and all defeated, and Mike Morgan literally shakes my hand, and goes, "You're on, pal. You're 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 official." And I remember going into the Mike FM studio, sitting on my Facebook, and telling. And I remember it was Scorch who was like, "Dude, good good luck, man. So proud of you." And I didn't even know the guy. We were just Facebook friends. And then immediately, like having that moment where I was like, "I can't do this. I'm, I'm going to go back to school." <laughs> and immediately yeah. researching colleges and enrolling that day, because I was like, I, I just realized that moment, I'm like. It's going to be an adventure, but it is not a
0: career. (laughs) Uh, We completely glossed over uh, Mike Morgan, who is now uh, literally half a person. Have you seen him? This oh, transformation he's undergone. So
1: my mother, of all people, had called me because she was like a she was like a Mike Morgan stand because she used to hear all the stories about how good he was to me, and she was like, he was on mix, and he has this great weight loss journey, and you know, I I reached out to him via email and stuff, tell him about the book because he was another one. He was he was a tutor to me. He was yeah. like my mentor. So when I found out I was publishing a book, it wasn't like Mike buy my damn book. It was like, dude, like. I, I did this because of people like you and you know, I saw his Instagram like, Holy shit. He looks amazing. Yeah.
0: I got born off hours cause of Mike. I, 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 I can't forget about Mike. He was,
1: al- he was always giving, he was the same way when I was at a radio he and he worked at CBS before it got absorbed by intercom. He was offering me hours and I was just like, dude, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mike's a, Mike's a, a a great guy now out of the radio business too. But, um, yeah, you and I wouldn't be, uh, half of where we are or where we were at least have these stories if it weren't for Mike. So, Oh God, um, no, not at all. One more time. Uh, (laughs) the name of the book and then where can people find it?
1: So it's called nothing to get nostalgic about. Um, we had a debacle where target had it and then target didn't have it. So people that ordered from target were like basically fucking like it's on back order. Um, so just go to Amazon. Amazon's like your best fucking bet. Um, I'm on Instagram now at Eddie Brophy Writer, my blog eddiebrophywriter.weebly.com. com. Um, yeah, Amazon, nothing to get nostalgic about. If you get it, I hope you read it. I hope you like it. It's a lot of, I'm getting texts now, like I have a friend's getting into it. And like, Eddie, where are you? I'm trying to tell you how amazing your book is. dude, I'm doing a podcast. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to hustle the ass that God gave me for this book. <laughs>
0: Cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Eddie. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, man. You are listening to Hardly Focus. But it's an all food bad for you. I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years, and I feel terrible. <laughs>